I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Hey idiots, welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions. With me, Jessica Michelle Singleton. I'm your host. I am a stand-up comedian when the world is normal, which it's not. For fuck's sake, put a mask on so I can get back to work. And I also don't know a thing about anything, so which is a great thing to follow up after telling people to wear a mask, because it... For sure empower some people to be like, no, well, you don't even know anything. And you're, you're telling me to put on a mask? Just fucking do it as a courtesy and see if people get their lives back. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm not here to bitch about masks. Although, I mean, are we all sort of just here to bitch about masks at this point? Ha! Anyway. If you're new to the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. It is not all me complaining about the world dying and ending. Not in every episode. Not even in every intro. Surprise! If you haven't subscribed, we would love it. And by we, I mean me and everyone listening so that eventually I stop fucking asking this. Uh, If you would subscribe to the podcast, rate it and review it wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes podcast app, or whatever, wherever you're listening to this, it helps. It makes the podcast show up more so other people can find answers to all their ignorant questions. More of us can learn and we can grow and we can have fun and you guys can be my cool fucking podcast friends because I love you all and this is the only social network I have left. Ah, thank God for the podcast. Huh. And thank you to everyone, by the way, who has already subscribed or reviewed. And speaking of my podcast social network, shout out to... My best idiots forever, Gene and Kathy over on Patreon. That's right. I have a Patreon. What? Who am I? It's OnlyFans, but for people who want to expose more of their words instead of their tits. I imagine there's probably tits on Patreon. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, And God bless them. You know, God love them. Go support them. But also support me. Patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. All one word. You can leave out the hashtag. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can get bonus content. This episode's under an hour, but everything over an hour, which a lot of my episodes are, is only available on Patreon. So if you want more than just the taste of some of these episodes, get on over there. And also, it's the only income I have right now. And as of now, pandemic unemployment has come to a halt. So will I be homeless in a month? We'll find out stay tuned no i'm sure i'm fine for at least two months anyway i would love to have your support over there and normally i send postcards from wherever i am traveling but obviously we're having to change things up we do bi-weekly not bi-weekly does that mean hang on i'm gonna google bi-weekly because i think maybe it is bi-weekly we do crappy hour hangs and what that means is yes it is bi-weekly every two weeks we hang out fucking throw up a zoom catch up see how you guys are doing talk about how i'm doing trying to come up with more other more more other things jesus some other stuff for you guys over there and yeah also if you're trying to focus on a project or something maybe you are still working and you need help with that neurogum is a proud sponsor of my life and i've inserted them into this podcast because i love neurogum so much they gave me a discount code for you guys 
So this isn't an actual ad. It's just me loving NeuroGum and telling you if you use the code JMS at getneuro.com. That's G-E-T-N-E-U-R-O.com. You can get 15% off your first order of NeuroGum. NeuroGum is tasty, delicious gum that freshens your breath, but also has caffeine and B vitamins and L-theanine. So you get focused energy. So you get energy without the crash. That's what those B vitamins and L-theanine come in and do. I'm not a scientist, but nootropics fucking rock. So check that out. Also, if you're seeking help for your mental health, you're looking into teletherapy, betterhelp.com slash JMS. Go check that out. And, um, or just go anywhere, honestly. They gave me a code and I want you guys to get help if you need it. Um, but you don't have, you can also just Google therapy, see a sliding scale therapist. Look up, I talk about this at the end of this episode actually, but Google sliding scale therapy, your city, your town, see what pops up because if you're struggling to afford therapy, maybe you don't have health insurance. There are, as we discuss, I believe in this episode, I've had so many conversations this week. Yes. Um, therapists who are just graduated or finishing their degree who will give you great therapy at a very great rate and on the note of therapy listen i'm putting out a couple episodes this week a few of them because i didn't realize until about a week ago july is minority mental health awareness month is what it's been known as or or what i came across which i don't know if it's interchangeable i honestly don't know if if one's more appropriate than the other at this point but b-i-p-o-c which I still don't know if I'm supposed to pronounce that, BIPOC. Does anyone do that? Like a word? Or am I just supposed to say B-I-P-O-C? Anyways, uh, which of course stands for Black Indigenous Persons of Color. Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I was late to the game. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know I'm a big advocate for mental health care, mental health awareness, learning about mental health and and how people deal with it so we can be more empathetic to them, uh, to our friends and family and neighbors who maybe struggle with mental health things. So I was like, you know what? I want to get some people of color on to talk about their experience with mental health, uh, either, you know, their own journey or where they fit in, in the mental health care world. So I'm putting out a handful of episodes this week, sort of a little bit of a mental health bender, if you will, from various guests who thank the heavens responded to my call for voices that need to be heard. You know, I was like, I want to hear from some non-white people (laughs) who is not white and has experienced with mental health, either their own mental illness or anything. And what do you know? There are so many people, and that's why I wanted to do this. So my first guest, Adrienne Augustus, she founded a Beautiful Mind Foundation. And if you're unfamiliar, this is a foundation that gives money to organizations that are dedicated to helping with minority mental health care. So either targeted at specific groups or just in general and groups that educate about cultural competence in mental health care so that we know, you know, we, I'm not a therapist, you know, trying to help therapists uh, who are already in the field become more educated on the experience of people from various cultural backgrounds so they can understand where they're coming from to treat them better. And uh, she shares a bit of her story and how this whole thing came about. And it's just really cool what she's doing. Uh, it's, It's a pretty new foundation and they seem to be really rolling it kind of just was an idea that took off and she's just holding on and running with it and she is incredible this was an incredible interview so easy to talk to that's part of the reason this one's so short by the way is that she's just it's her organization and I don't know if anyone else has ever worked in nonprofit, but at this point hers is like a one-man band and I've had to wear that PR hat so she definitely just had it all ready to go has all the facts 
knows all the things and gave me all the information about a beautiful mind. We talked about her experience with her own mental health and, and her family's experience with that and how that maybe led her into this. It was just an incredible journey. It was great talking to someone who has personally had mental health hurdles and then turned those into a whole foundation to now help others. It's great. She's lovely. You're going to love it. No further ado, Adrian Augustus. Hey, everyone. I am here with Adrian Augustus. This is amazing. Founder of A Beautiful Mind. It's a foundation for mental health. I... For those who don't know, really quick, I, I tweeted recently, I, I didn't realize that July is, okay, I'm about to do something real stupid. I have only read <laughs> B-I-P-O-C on the internet. Do we pronounce it as a word? Do, do you know? I have no idea. Is it like by or do I just go B-I-P-O-C? Does anyone I, I think you, well, you're definitely safe with saying that. I haven't heard people <laughs> pronounce it. Me neither. Um, I just realized as I was about to say it, I was like, huh. Well, if, yeah. if anyone in the world, if there's a consensus, let us know. Either way, um, you know, um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, uh, mental health. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, Awareness Month. Awareness Month, yes. And um, anyone who listens to the show knows I'm a big advocate for mental health awareness in general. And I was so bummed I didn't know at the beginning of the month, with month, excuse me, which seems to be the case with almost every Awareness Month. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm aware now. Oh, God. Um, but so I did a tweet asking for anyone who uh, wants to share their experience who maybe works in the field and Adrian has come through with such a cool just story it sounds like and you've also been referring I've gotten a lot of other people because of you so thank you you're um, welcome let's just dive into it I want to talk about you have recently started a whole foundation yes Can you tell me a little bit about what the foundation is and and, uh, kind of what was the catalyst of you deciding to dive in and go, okay, I'm I'm taking this to the next level. I'm going to create something. (laughs) There definitely was not a moment when I made that decision, but um, (laughs) just to go back to the beginning. So unfortunately, this is not a private family foundation. I am not independently wealthy. Um, we are. I mean, I hear that. I hear that. Yes, unfortunately. Um, right. We wish we all could, could right. be those people. Um, but I felt very strongly that there needed to be an organization representing, in part, people of color, because the mission statement is that we will positively impact lives by investing in culturally competent mental health support services that educate enlighten and empower our diverse community. So right now we're focusing on communities of color. And, but I was like, I'm too tired to try to create something with a bunch of programs. I just, (laughs) I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, You're like, how can I be the United way of other programs, like other mental health Exactly. I love it. And, and, And here's the thing, like, you get money and you get money and you get money. Like I wanted to be the Oprah of giving out grant money. (laughs) Um, I love that. Just like mental health Oprah. Like who are we we helping now? Right. So um, I was in grad school at the time. This is just a year ago. And I was given the opportunity to start the foundation. Now here it was April of 2019. I'm thinking, okay, I need to satisfy 400 hours for grad school requirement. I'll get the paperwork rolling, but I'm not really going to start this thing until after I graduate. Like who has time for that? <laughs> I still have homework. Yeah. Um, 
And so I started the paperwork and then the federal government returned my 501c3 application in three weeks. I was approved in three weeks. Everything I read said two to three months. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm not going to hear from them until October. I am truly shocked. I was shocked too. I thought it was a joke. I read the letter several times. I thought there would be like, you know, a little notification that it was an advertisement. Oh my God. (laughs) So so when that happened, um, that was the end of July. And I just thought, okay, so like, this is real. Oh my God. And I need to do something about that. And Uh, so um, I, I already had two board members and I knew that if I didn't, stay engaged if I didn't keep them engaged and bring on more people then this whole thing would just sort of fizzle yeah, very quick. Gotta like keep oh, them all rolling. All of the short attention spans we need to you know here here here. Absolutely. So, you know so here this is gonna really mess you up. So <laughs> the begin the first week of October is mental illness awareness week. So write that I think one down. I knew that one. I need to say <laughs> it on my calendar though. I will I've, I'm gonna put that in my calendar. <laughs> Gotta be on top of it. And then just, just, there you go. And just FYI, um, May is Mental Health Month. So we, we've got all kinds of opportunities for you to keep talking about this. Thank right? goodness, honestly, it needs to be talked about. All the time, all the time. Um, but so what I decided was that I would do the official launch event at the beginning of October. Great. So, and that gave me two months to, <laughs> to do it. <laughs> oh, so what, while I was still filling out paperwork to make sure that I would not be breaking the law in any state. I was putting together a ma- uh, an invitation list for the event. Ooh. And, uh, you know, this is pre COVID. So things were still open. So we actually had the event at a small art gallery and people came and it was really, really nice. Um, we raised about $2,500. Oh but God. the main yeah. thing was that I, I wanted it to be part public relations event. So people would see that we're real. You know, I, I walk Absolutely. around saying, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm starting a foundation. And pe- I felt like people would just kind of pat me on my head and be like, okay. Like, oh, you and your dreams. <laughs> right? Side eye. That's sweet. Was, yeah. <laughs> right. And so, and it doesn't help. I'm not going to say how old I am, but people age me down a lot. So I was losing the credibility. Let's just say I'm not in my twenties or even 30. Oh my um, <laughs> I'm like, you're scared. It's so beautiful. I worked in PR before comedy and starting out in a, in a nonprofit, I was very young and I got a lot of, I look back and I'm like, oh, this is just blatant ageism where they're like, oh, that's right. sweet. And you're like, yep. Sweet. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, once I did that event, I knew people would see that this was for real. And I had donations coming in from all over the place. I mean, high school friends I hadn't seen. All right, now I'm going to tell on myself. High school <laughs> friends I hadn't seen since the late 90s. Uh, <laughs> and so um, we raised $10,000 in the first two months. Just individual donations. Wow. Um, yeah, so like I said, there wasn't really this decision where I said, hardcore, like, let's really ramp this up. It was more of, oh, crap, this is happening. really happening, and I just need to keep rolling with the punches. And, you know, I just, I'm, I have that personality where I will work really hard, and I also truly believe in, I, I call it God slash the universe. I and love I that. feel like 
this entire thing has been driven by God slash universe. Like I, I'm look, I look back and think, how did I do that part of it? It doesn't like I wasn't spending many hours sleeping, but I yeah. did it. And, and it's been amazing. So we just, I have a great team of board members now. And just this past Saturday, we had our um, inaugural, of course, on Zoom. Of course. Uh, grant recipient awards ceremony and, um, and volunteer recognition celebration. That's and, so exciting. Oh, it was so much fun. And I ended it with a dance party. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I love like a good but, Zoom DJ situation. That, that's what it was. And, and so you get all the little boxes with everybody's heads and we're all just bouncing around. Like, yes. <laughs> it was really fun. Um, but during the event, we had some of the grant recipients speak and we were able to give 20 awards to groups in 10 different states and the District of Columbia um, in total, we gave away $22,315. That's incredible. Yeah, I was looking on the website at, uh, at all the different grants and the award recipients, and it's just, I, it's just amazing to see how many different organizations you guys were able to help, but just, there's just so much out there that, you know, it, that we don't know about until you start looking for it. And it's, it's just right. truly incredible. I'm like scrolling over it now. We were blown away by the variety of programs and, and we touched every group that I was hoping, you know, through the organization, when we say people of color, African-American, uh, Latinx, Asian-American, Native American, and that's who we've touched with these funds. That's amazing. Um, programs that are being that's offered amazing. in English, Spanish, Vietnamese, Japanese, Urdu. I, I mean, wow. it, it just... Yeah, super cool. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, because it's like you start something like this and you obviously hope it's going to reach the people you want it to reach. And then I, I can only imagine starting to get in the grant applications and going, oh, my gosh, like people are hearing about this. That's got to be an amazing we, feeling. Yeah, we didn't know what kind of a response we would get. So I was just like feverishly sending emails and, you know, info at to whatever organization. So I didn't know if it was going into a black hole oh, or yeah. somebody, you know, if somebody would actually see it. Um, but we actually received applications. We've received 63 applications from uh, more than 40 organizations in 19 states and the District of Columbia. We were asked for $70,000. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of those requests um, didn't pass the muster for meeting the organization's mission statement and the, and the grants management committee um, scored all the applicants and we ultimately whittled it down to the 20. Yeah, and you know, you have to also work with what your funding is. So it's, that's got, I'm sure that's a hard process when you start getting down to the last selections where you're like, ah, we have to go this way this right. year and that's just how it goes. Well, and the thing is, um, when we originally decided on the 20, actually it was originally 24, we did a little more digging uh, and realized that some of them might not have been on the up and up. Yeah. Um, I did this massive fundraising push in June and uh, I just said, hey, look, we don't want to have to pick and choose. We want to be able to fund all of these organizations because they're all worthy. Please donate. And we raised, yeah, we raised enough money to cover all of them. And then, wow. wait, there's more. <laughs> I love it. This amazing former coworker shared a Facebook video post that I put out. Her boss saw it 
and we received a $10,000 grant from Scientific Games, which is a corporation in Las Vegas where I used to live. Oh my God. That's amazing. The internet is truly amazing. Yes, it is. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's harmful. And that's when we all need to just walk away. Yeah, got to log out. <laughs> yeah. The power of Facebook <laughs> has been really incredible. Yeah, it's incredible how many people are still sharing and, and, and how far a post can go just through yes. that one website. Is your fundraising, yes. it's such a strange time to be fundraising, it seems like. I worked in, yeah. in nonprofit. I was, I, it was PR was like my specialty, but I was, you know, not, as nonprofits go, you wear 8,000 hats. And I also was part of the oh, fundraising, yes. but we did these big events. Is your fundraising right now all just sort of like asks through uh, internet yes. like campaigns? Yeah. So after we had that official launch event, we were, when we rolled into this year, we were planning on doing two fundraising events, one in DC, one in Maryland, and then also two in Las Vegas. And then COVID happened and everything came to a screeching halt. And so we had to just do all of our fundraising online. And so um, that's when we just started really the board put out um, fundraisers on their personal Facebook pages. Um, One of our board members got us listed in a newsletter, which was amazing because I I woke up one morning and I'm checking my email and donation, 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 (gasps) just this string. And usually I can tell where donations are coming from because of who might have recently announced what, like if a board member in Las Vegas said something, then all of a sudden I get a bunch of donations with Las Vegas addresses. But these donations on this one day were coming in from all over the place. And what we ultimately realized is that she got us listed in this newsletter and people who had never heard of us before just started sending donations. And I just, love that. I think we got $2,200 in less than 24 hours from that. Uh, board members, what a blessing when they've yeah, got oh, that reach and they've got the, ah, uh, I love it. I love it so yeah, much. Oh, believe, believe me, I love it too. Um, but, th- but I have to speak to, I mean, the support has come from all over the place. For yeah, instance, yeah. I have a friend who lives in Los Angeles. She's an actress, a producer, and a writer. And uh, she let me do her IG takeover. She let me take over her Instagram page on Juneteenth. Her name is Kimmy Gatewood. Um, Everyone and, go follow her. Yeah, please, at Kimmy Gatewood. Please, she's awesome. She's, um, she's in the Netflix series, um, oh my goodness, I'm, how am I blanking on this? Glow. Uh, <gasps> if you're, oh, no, yeah, I have a couple of friends in there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's, uh, she's in that and she let me take over her Instagram page and we raised uh, $1,400, almost $1,500 that day. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah. So I feel like social media has for, for all the stress and not great things I'm sure it brings a lot of people. It's really changed the game on being able to fundraise and get just awareness out about various organizations that need help and you know, we need to spread. For sure. Well, look at how we connected, right? I you know. Posted something amazing. Yeah. yeah. You, a friend of mine texted me your post. And then I said, all right, let me check this chick out. Because right? <laughs> it's one of those things where, and like this podcast does well, and I'm doing relatively well with like comedy and stuff. But I, it's, I don't know if it's imposter syndrome or it's just like the internet is this vast hole where when I send something like that, I'm like, 
is anyone even gonna see this like oh my god (laughs) i loved it i loved it and i you know your listeners can go and scroll through your your feed and see the various things that you posted, but what you posted was very relevant related to um, a, um, a celebrity right now who unfortunately needs some serious help. Oh and yeah. What you wrote was very kind oh, yeah. and accurate. Um, and I just thought, wow, this is awesome. And then you followed up with, hey, people of color, can anybody come chat with me? And yeah, because well, it's yeah, like, I, you know, I can speak <laughs> in generalities about my own observations or what, like, but at the end of the day, I'm just, one lady going, no, this seems like a manic episode. Is it, does anyone else agree or it's right. You know, and I'm like, well, let's, you know, dive in let's see, you know, what's going on in the community. Where's the conversation at with that? Because, you know, I have, I have friends, uh, of, you know, all different races and some of them have expressed and even some of the emails coming in of people wanting to come on the show that, a lot of this stuff gets swept under the rug. I mean, I think in general, we're still not where we need to be with any community, but, um, right. you know, from what I'm hearing is that it's even less talked about in different groups. And it's like, let's, let's get the word out. Let's have those conversations because it's hundred percent. Yeah. It's so taboo. I think for some people that just like the idea It is like, well, and that's, Sorry, go yeah, ahead. That, that's why we're we're focusing on communities of color right now, because there are distinct cultural differences in how certain groups address mental health. So, for instance, a lot of the time and particularly with the older generations of African-Americans, people would be told to go to church and pray about it instead of actually addressing head on what the real issue is. Oh, my um, gosh. Yes. I have a friend who her name's Angelina Spicer, and she um, she's uh she's a black woman and she had postpartum and now she's on this whole campaign, like trying to get legislation and she did a whole special about it. But yeah, she was, I helped, I helped her with, you know, putting her special together and just talking about how her grandma's just like, yeah, it's just the baby blues. And she's like, right. (laughs) And, and African-American women are a huge segment of the population that don't get that support when they're dealing with postpartum depression, partially because People don't understand it. They don't know about it. They have trouble accepting that it is an actual diagnosed mental illness situation. Yeah. Um, I think that's a hard thing with mental illness too, is that, you know, either the stigmas you have or you've been fed or just whatever your upbringing is, it can sometimes, you, you can look at something and not realize that's what's going on and think of it as like a character defect or just like, I just need to be tougher. And it's like, that's right. No, <laughs> so you're being very well, tough maybe. and this is hard. And it, yeah, because you can't be tough forever, right? Yeah. Um, and here's something I learned this and it blew me away with the Asian American community. It's not just that there's a stigma attached to it for the person, but you bring shame to the entire family if you are diagnosed with a mental illness. That is so, heartbreaking. Yeah, who's going to step up and say, hey, I need help in that sort of a cultural situation. Yeah, where your, where your family's going to be like, no, you don't need help, and don't tell anyone you need help. <laughs> right, right. Heartbreaking. It's, it's definitely, yeah, and, and it stops people from getting the help that they need. Um, and then when they do actually get to a doctor or a therapist, unfortunately, most of the, t- of the time, that person doesn't look like them. 
And in the Latinx community, that person might not even speak Spanish as a primary language. And so there's literally uh, things are lost in translation when people are describing things in Spanish and it's being interpreted differently in English. Absolutely. And you on your on the website for uh, the foundation, a beautiful mind. The website is a beautiful mind foundation.org. Yes. Yes. So everyone can check it out and I'll have links to all of this in the show notes. But you talk about cultural competence in regards to mental health care. Um, And I think that's so important just um, to to go off of what you're saying now is, I mean, how much of a, a difference does it make when someone has a mental health care provider who understands the, you know, the cultural, right. There's a word it's I'm huge. looking it's for. Huge. Like what's going on in their culture instead of just looking at them as, you know, a two dimensional person. Yeah. So it's huge because you have the diagnoses, which follow certain types of um, behaviors, but then you still have the entire person. And, yeah. and that's something I'd like to try to, you know, teachable moment in explaining to people that you don't say someone is bipolar or someone is schizophrenic. Thank they you. Live with bipolar disorder. They live with schizophrenia. I live with bipolar disorder. It is something that I have. It is not who I am. Yes. And so it's so important. Work, yes. And because that helps destigmatize this, the, the mental illness, the concept of mental illness. Yeah. Um, but you know, speaking personally, when I walk into a doctor's office and I'm looking at a white man. And for your listeners, if they haven't figured out yet, I'm African-American. Yeah. If anyone's not looking on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so if I walk in and I'm looking at a white man, well, he's never going to understand exactly what it means to be a black American woman. No. Um, I had a lovely white female practitioner closer to my age, but I had to explain to her, we spent 30 minutes out of my 45, um, talking about how, <laughs> Black women are treated differently in this country compared to women of other races. Uh, And she just was blown away by what I was telling her. Yeah. It's just like, and if if that's what someone's experience, as as empathetic as they're trying to be, yeah, you really do have to either, you have to break stuff down for them, hope that they can wrap their mind around it because it's so hard for people to see things out of their own situation. You know, it's that sort of, Mm -hmm. well, I'm not racist. So racism's not around. And you're like, that's not, what? <laughs> what do yeah, you say? No. <laughs> but people just, or if they just never observed it personally, they're so shocked that, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. It's so shocking to me. And then there's that whole gray area. And it's like, oh, now do I have to worry that I've upset you with what's happened to me? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It- it's, it's a sticky area, and I think a lot of people, it's obvious now, um, in the last two months, people are recognizing that, particularly for Black Americans, there are external forces that have been happening for generations that are still impacting us. And just, you know, I realized that the trauma for me in knowing about what happened with George Floyd is that when I was 11 years old, 10 years old, a young black teenager was shot in my community, uh, shot in the back by a police officer. And so every time I hear about instances where black people are unjustifiably killed, um, and uh, unjustifiably is a weird way to say that because nobody should be justifiably killed, but somebody who's unarmed, um, it's, it's opening that trauma up again. 
Absolutely. That it's like, it's not just you experiencing this individual story. It's now like triggering your own real life experience. Exactly. And it's not how someone who's not black would react. Everybody can say, oh, that's terrible. This is not right. It's unjust. But to feel it, I realize this has been in my bones for years. And it absolutely impacts how I see what's going on. So I need that practitioner who can at least recognize that this is an external factor that plays into um, whether I feel depressed or um, in my rare cases uh, of being manic. Yeah. Um, I guess we let's talk about that a little if you're comfortable. Well, before that, I was thinking this the other day, and you may not know, and it may be a Google search away because I'm now remembering a thought that I didn't follow up with a Google search. Um, <laughs> I, I've been digging deeper into mental health and really even, even to the point of thinking of, of, of ways that maybe I can transition what I do or my work to gear it more specifically towards either awareness or how to help with the skills I have or if I decide to continue education. But I was, I mean, I was in the words of my, one of my good friends being crazy, but which is a whole thing, but I was like, maybe I'll go to grad school. It was definitely a very uh, quarantine triggered identity crisis type thing. But I was just looking at the price of online master's programs and was like, oh, <laughs> this I'll is be online. dead before my loans. Yeah, my program was online. I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill. Um, Go target. You know, the foundation exists because they gave me the opportunity to start the foundation while I was still a student. But yeah, higher education is expensive. Yeah, and well, then I started thinking because you know I'm I'm obviously reading the news, I'm taking everything in, I'm I'm, I'm talking with all my friends, and and thinking about this gap in mental health care for people of color. And I was like, is is there a? I wonder if there is or there it's in the process of becoming a thing. Some type of organization. I guess it would just be a scholarship. But yeah. scholarships geared yeah. toward getting people of color into mental health care education programs. Um, that is absolutely something that I'm hoping we'll be able to do as we, you know, as we pull in hundreds of thousands grow. of dollars. Yes, universe, yeah. God. Because it's, it's <laughs> exactly. whatever you are, exactly. listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that is. Uh, part of the problem that there aren't enough practitioners for people of color to go to who look like them. So, yeah, which I imagine is, yeah, it's what a difference it makes to walk in a room and go, oh, you get it. (laughs) Just like a little bit, just feel that. Because that's a real thing, a connection with someone who who looks like you, who comes from a a similar background. They're like, oh, you're going to get it. I don't have to take up more of my, I mean the frustration I get in a therapy session where I realize I have to like deeply explain something where I'm like, Oh man, this is going to take right. up all my money for the session, but I got to <laughs> do it or, or there's no progress to be made. Um, that's incredible. So you mentioned that you live with bipolar disorder. Yes. Uh, is that what led you to pursue this field? Like your own journey? 
mine and a lot of other people's journeys. Um, when I was in my early 20s, I lost a childhood friend to um, in a police shooting because he was experiencing uh, a mental health crisis. Oh, gosh. It wasn't fully re- recognized at the time. Um, he was a lovely, lovely person. And uh, he was having a bad moment. And unfortunately, it wasn't identified soon enough. And um, even today, a lot of law enforcement agencies don't have the training so that they know how to approach someone who's having a mental health crisis. Yes, and we're learning that more as this conversation is getting bigger and louder, that the, uh, the training they go through is so short and they really aren't equipped to deal with I mean, situations like this right. where it's a mental health crisis. They just come in and you're either a criminal or I don't, or not, I guess. But it seems like everyone's a criminal in the eyes of a police officer. They're just waiting for some type of... <laughs> at this point, it's like, good Lord. Um, there, there's definitely that sentiment. Um, I have a friend who's an officer and I was talking to him outside on the street and uh, it was probably 90 degrees outside. And a gentleman walked by wearing a heavy coat. And I said to my friend, what do you see when you look at that person wearing that coat? And he said, well, if I walk up to him, I'm going to be worried that he's concealing a gun. And I said, you know what I see? I see a man who may live with schizophrenia because people with schizophrenia tend to have their, or I should say one of the conditions associated with it is that their body regulates temperature differently. Fascinating. Yeah, so he might not have a weapon. He just may be doing what is natural to him through his mental health diagnosis. Wow. Um, So, you know, it's a complete mental shift in how you see someone from law enforcement and protecting the public and protecting yourself to, okay, crisis management, which sadly really isn't the role that the police should have to take. No, it's, we should have, there should be funding for that, you know, let's bring in people who are specialized in that. Exactly, exactly. Could we get one person on staff instead of the tanks? I think trade one tank and we could fund, we could hire one social worker, something. Oh, it's so difficult. Yeah, but but let, let me just say, I found out, so here's probably the thing that, really pushed me towards the foundation. I had to self-diagnose when I was in my early 20s because I had lived with uh, depression from the age of 11 and I was expressing this to my parents, but because I was getting good grades, because I was still fairly social and, and I was, you know, I was class president, um, they thought I was fine, but I knew what I was feeling inside. And now I know that um, young women who are experiencing early symptoms of bipolar disorder typically are high achievers. Yeah. So their symptoms can be overlooked because it seems like they're doing fine. But so here now through my um, teen years and up until my early 20s, you know, I'm bursting into tears looking at a car commercial. I mean, and not even one of those sappy ones like at Christmas time where there's a giant bow and the woman has the perfect husband and oh, look. No, it's just like Chevy, like a rock. And you're like, a rock. Exactly. Exactly. That literally literally happened. And I said, okay, this is ridiculous. I need to get help. And I ultimately ended up doing a lot of research and saw basically myself in a book, a medical book about uh, mental illness. And it was so stark, just the details that I realized I had been experiencing mania when I was in high school 
And I mean, to the point where I, I thought my picture would be on the next page of this book. Wow. And so ultimately, like just like every went, details, nailing yeah. exactly what you've gone through. Because there are, you know, like I said, you have the person, the whole person to deal with, but there are specific behaviors that are exhibited by people who have different diagnoses. And I had clearly exhibited the depression and then also mania. And, and here's the thing. And I think, how do my parents not pick up on this? I was 16 years old, staying at home on Friday and Saturday nights, cleaning the entire house. Like, that's weird. Yeah, like, I guess she's just a great kid. It is interesting that I think so much mental health stuff goes overlooked because, you know, our, our parents focus on, and it's maybe the, it's the system as a whole, but, like, no one cares until you're getting bad grades. It's, you know, a lot of times. When you're young, yeah, or if you're, if you're acting out. Acting out, like a law troubler or breaking rules. Right, right. But if it's and like, oh, I'm things. in 400 clubs, and like, <laughs> nobody seems to think, like, this is weird at all. I'm just preparing for college. I haven't slept in a week. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and <laughs> your parents are going, good job. They're like, oh, she just, where does she get the energy? And you're like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, and, when, and mania in itself, like manic episodes are so, it's, interesting because the difficulty of for a person to see their own I feel like because for me when I get hypomanic it's just like yeah I feel like everything's right actually <laughs> like you know <laughs> and and trying to explain to someone who's in an episode you know that like maybe something's up is it's a sticky yeah. territory because they're so I don't know high on <laughs> this situation you know right well you, I mean it's a your brain chemistry has shifted and so your ability to um, reason logically is lost to a certain degree yeah um, and so it's like trying to have that conversation <laughs> which does get scary because it's like I I empathize with you know if someone is trying to help someone like the the manic person thinking you know, the, mistaking someone trying to help you for something else for, oh, you know, you, you just want me to, I, I, cause, because the idea of going to psych ward is scary and that's a whole. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and the idea of being hospitalized for a lot of people is terrifying. Yeah. Um, nobody wants, I mean, the, the stigma is one thing of actually having a diagnosis and then being sent to the hospital I mean, that's... Yeah, because you go, oh, I'm always going to look... People are going to go, oh. That's... We don't... I mean, I... We don't treat mental illness the way we treat physical illness. You know what I mean? Like, no one's ever like, Jim's a cool guy, but carefully got the flu pretty bad in the 90s, you know? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And you wouldn't point at somebody and say, oh, he's cancer. Yes, you would be like... She's the flu. Yeah. It's... That, that's such an important that you brought that up the the way you phrase someone living with bipolar disorder which I think is important for erasing the stigma of course it is but also for the individual because yes. it's I mean it goes into you know self-talk and and how we talk to ourselves and what that ingrains in our brain but the more you repeat something 
about yourself, the more you believe it, which is why as corny as positive affirmations sound to a lot of people, they can work. But so the difference in, be- in between saying, you know, I'm living with this illness versus, versus putting this kind of scarlet letter on yourself of like, well, I'm, I'm bipolar and this is just how, how I have to live. It's like, no, I mean, no. you don't have to make that your whole identity. And it's, it's sad right. when people are living under that umbrella of I am depressed and they, it becomes almost part of who you are which is yeah it's hurdle. it's a piece of it mm-hmm. right yeah it's it's a the diagnosis is a piece of the whole person and it's definitely important for us as individuals who um, are dealing with this and the people around us so that they can at least empathize you know yes. that's the biggest thing empathy goes so far yeah which and and that's a conversation a lot of people don't have it's definitely uh, empathy, I, I understand that empathy can be a lot harder when you are extremely close to a person who's dealing with that. Not, not empathy is not hard, but because sometimes these illnesses manifest in maybe people saying ugly things or um, treating yeah. you in a way that you're not used to, that's, that's like a, he- that's a, it's, it's, not always the thing. It's not always the instinct. I think of like you want to do. Sometimes people want to be like, "Oh well, fuck you." Then sorry. <laughs> yeah, one, no, one no, no, no. Come out eventually. But that's a, <laughs> it's a natural response when somebody feels like they're being um, attacked or someone's being aggressive towards them. You want to defend yourself, and it's if that person doesn't really have a strong understanding that this could be happening because the person is stressed and they're experiencing their symptoms right now, then the response is not going to be one that is um, helpful for the person or a productive way of um, working through an issue in a relationship. Exactly. And that's why it's so important for people, even if you're not personally struggling with, you know, a, you know, a mental health crisis, you may be not suffering from a mental illness to learn about it, to know yes. how to recognize it. So you can default to empathy. So you do understand, Oh, this is what's going on, especially, you know, with a partner learning, you know, how to recognize things within them. It's, it's important for all of us. And I think a lot of people, you know, take, still take the approach of like, well, I'm fine. So you're like, all right, Right. that's why the extra education is so necessary. It is. And it's, so I always promote the national Alliance on mental illness because they have free education programs and support groups Um, And they have affiliates all over the country. And a lot of the programming is live online now. Um, It is a resource for people. Yeah, it's it's a resource for people who live with mental illness and for their loved ones. Um, I I always say that NAMI is is for short. NAMI saved my life. And it also allowed my parents to have a better understanding of what mental illness is. Because it, and, and I was starting to, to talk about my, my journey as a, in my 20s where I self-diagnosed, but then, of course, followed up with a doctor's appointment. Yes. He looked at me and said, why are you here? And I told her, and then she said, you're right. And I freaked out and was like, well, what? We just met. No, you should get to know me better first. Let's be yeah, because you're like, no, 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 before we... Right. Like, I don't want to be right. What do you mean I'm right? No, 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 no. And honestly, I think I was manic when I went in there because I talked for like 15 minutes straight. 
yeah, yeah, you have bipolar disorder. Well, that doctor was amazing. She lets, yeah, she did honestly, probably the best doctor I'd ever had because she listened and she understood my fear. And she said, I definitely want to see you again. Please come back. Well, three months later, my paternal grandmother died. And it was then that I found out she had bipolar disorder. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that's hereditary. So my family knowing this, uh, my dad was her caretaker. um, But unfortunately there were people in the family who told my grandmother, she just needed a change of scenery and she just needed to go to church. She didn't need medication. Um, But my grandmother was, um, you know, unfortunately the, the stereotypical person with a mental illness that folks expect to see because she ran down the street naked twice. Oh my gosh. And it was just like, you just need Jesus. I, and, right. And people, of course, you know, with all the stigmas, everyone's like, well, let's just not bring that up ever. Exactly. Exactly. So, or so you had no idea. It. Yeah. No, no. Even though I'm telling my parents I'm depressed, um, they hadn't, because of the family dynamic, because of the African-American culture, people weren't digging in to figure out why is grandma acting like this? Why? And she was my father did make sure that she got the medication she needed um, and that she saw doctors. Um, My grandmother, bless her soul, actually went through electric shock therapy. Oh gosh, way back when that was what they did. Right, right. But my dad never took the time to research what the illness was. Um, Her, my grandmother's siblings, you know, to have that better understanding and then to say, oh, this is genetic. Wait a minute. Let me keep an eye on my daughter. Yeah, to like look for the, so that you could know the signs and if right. you're, you know, if someone else is exhibiting it in the family. Yeah. Yeah. Which now, now that I know more, I look around and I'm like, um, that person probably should go see a doctor. Yeah. Because I can, I, I always, I always say I can recognize mine and uh, yeah, <laughs> because you, you know, you get to see certain behaviors and you recognize them as not so much as a person's a greater personality but more of a symptom that is linked to a particular diagnosis. Absolutely. And, it's, and the more you, you know, are educated about that, the more you've examined your own experience. And of course, being in a field where mental health is your priority, you learn all these things and it's, it is yeah. interesting to start recognizing that. And yes. And that's always like, you know, what's the next step from there? Like when you, I mean, seeing it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and the thing is, is that like, it's a hard conversation to have with someone. And it's, I think that we all need to be getting more used to having these tough conversations. I think as a general society, there's been a lot of, you know, be polite. Don't "Ah, don't bring it up. There's a lot. And people are dying because of that. When yeah. you don't talk about it, that's when people end up committing suicide because they're not getting the help that they need. Yeah. And it's so it's just unnecessary. It's a, it's a conversation that needs to be broached more than not. Um, and that's why we funded, why a Beautiful Mind Foundation funded these groups because they're trying to make it culturally acceptable for people of all different races and ethnicities to talk about this and to recognize getting help is a sign of strength. Yes. Asking for help is a sign of strength. It is such a sign of strength because it's hard. It's hard to ask for help. It takes a very strong person, especially if you've grown up in a house or a a culture that's sort of like, you know, 
the whole bootstraps mentality, walk it off, fix your, mm-hmm. just fix yourself. And it's like, right. it can be very hard to go, you know what, actually, I don't know if I can do this by myself. I, yeah. I need help. That's a very hard thing for a lot of people to say. And it's so wonderful what you're doing. Thank you. Um, before we wrap up, really quick, you have four different categories for your grants, correct? Is that what I was seeing? Yes. So this cycle we did. Okay. Could you talk um, about those just a little, like some general what you were kind of focusing yes. on? Sure. So um, originally we had six categories, then COVID happened. So we retooled it to make sure that we let people know we would fund uh, online technology because everybody would be shifting from folks meeting in a room to doing it virtually. Absolutely. So um, we kept, and these are near and dear to my heart, there's a grant called Ruth's House, which is, Ruth was my grandmother. And uh, because church was so important to her, that particular grant is um, designed for houses of worship to, um, to create programming that's specific to their, uh, their community. I love um, that. Friends of Jelani is another one. And Jelani Manigold is my friend who unfortunately died when he encountered the police during uh, um, a mental health crisis. Heartbreaking. What and a that, great way to like, keep his legacy. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I definitely was carrying him and my grand- grandmother with me when I was outlining the way this organization would work. Um, and, and Jelani's mother presented the three grant recipients um, at our celebration last Saturday. So it, oh, that's I so definitely lovely. had her. Yeah, I had her engaged and she was very thankful that we're recognizing Jelani in that way. And so those two grants will go on mm-hmm. indefinitely. The other two grants we created to address um, the impact that coronavirus is having on folks. And so one is Healthy Mind, Healthy Body, and the other one is um, Educate enlighten and empower, which are the words that come from our uh, mission statement. And um, both of them are basically designed to encourage um, support groups for um, frontline workers. And also, um, you speak specifically to the availability of funds for mental health practitioners who want to create cultural competency education programs so that they can be better versed. And so, you know, there's not going to be a population immediately of people of color who are mental health practitioners, but the ones who are providing support for their clients of color, they can have the opportunity to learn more and better support them. Ah, that's wonderful. That's amazing. Um, And everyone can donate right on the website. Yes. BeautifulMindsFoundation.org. There's a big donate button right in the corner, you guys, go, 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 please donate. Um, And I'll have a link to that in the show notes too, if you're listening. Um, This has been so great. Is there anything else you'd like to share either about the organization or just nuggets of anything? So I do want to point out, because I know a lot, there are places to donate left and right. We are run by volunteers. I am a full-time, part-time executive director, board president, when I'm working from home, I'm the janitor. I, I am, you know, I am doing that work. Um, the other board members and volunteers all have full-time jobs, um, except for one. Um, and 
we are ma- we are carrying this foundation. We are doing all of the legwork. We are a working board of directors. We have fantastic volunteers who reviewed um, the the sixty plus uh, grant or the 40, 40 plus grant sixty plus grant uh, requests. Um, so we're giving away ninety percent of what we brought in. That's amazing. Nobody's nobody's making money off of that at this point. There's there's not. I'm not trying to get paid off of the. $26,000 that we raised. In no, the past it's all, it's all trickled down. That's a, such a great percentage as someone who worked in nonprofit. That would be a high rated on charity navigator or whatever the yes. website was <laughs> that ranks nonprofits. That's great because you, when you dig into some of these bigger organizations, unfortunately, that's not always the case and it's refreshing too. That's why I, I always try to research where I'm putting my money to make sure it's an organization where it's going to get to someone who needs it? Yeah, that so was really wonderful. important to me. Thank you. I love that. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Adrian. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for doing all this work. I appreciate it. I, um, I'm going to go donate. You guys go donate. And um, is there, where can people, is there anywhere to follow the organization or follow you? you oh, follow? yes. Yes. Yeah, so we, no, well, we have uh, Facebook. It's at a underscore beautiful underscore mind underscore we might oh might stop i think it probably got too long i I don't know if there's an underscore foundation um and then we're also on uh instagram um at and it's well if you if you search for us on instagram we'll pop up yeah um because they need to instagram compresses what your name is i couldn't come up with anything really easy to remember so it's it's like at um Oh, I'm totally. I'll find it. I'll put a link in the show notes. You guys just, just search. Yes. And if you go to our website, the links are at the bottom of our, um, of our webpage. So when you all go to donate, you can also click on those links. Yes. Yes. Um, Thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for, um, carrying this mission of promoting mental health awareness and, and mental wellness. Of course. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, was I wrong? Does she not just... She's so great at delivering information. She also used to be a newscaster, so I feel like she's just good at that producing. Let's get all the concise... It just... Ah, love a guest who comes at me with with all the information, with so much to say. Uh, It's so funny, as a podcast host, occasionally I get guests who... And I think I've done this as a guest, but they'll apologize. Oh, sorry, I'm talking too much. And I'm never, ever upset by that. And that wasn't even the case here. I'm just noticing that it's it's funny that uh, that any of us do that. That you go like, oh, God, am I hogging the time? And realistically, the host is like, no, I, I, want, you, I want people to hear you. I want them to hear what you're all about. I want them to know what you're bringing to the table. How can we help you? What's your, what's your thing? What are you... What are you talking about? You guys get it. Anyway, I just adored Adrian Augustus uh, from A Beautiful Mind Foundation, abeautifulmindfoundation.org. If you want to go over there, donate, see how else to get involved. You can find all their social media um, on the website. I'm also It's also in the show notes as well as a link to the website. So go follow them, go support them. You know, uh, I am always looking for new charities to support when, I, when I'm able to, um, you know not right now that that pandemic unemployment has ended but 
they're great. And as she mentioned, it's a good uh, it's a good trickle down from what you donate to it actually getting to help. Which, by the way, if you're unaware, is a big thing. There's a website called Charity Navigator, and um, you can see which website which charities are better at utilizing their funds you know who has who's got way more administrative overheads and you know sometimes something so big they're gonna have a decent administrative overhead but it's worth knowing it's worth checking out and uh a beautiful mind foundation sounds like they are crushing it and i'm very excited to i don't know support them in the future and see them grow and i just am very excited for what she's doing it's it's a really amazing thing she's doing and i was so glad that my podcast made its way to her so she could know to come on know to contact me and thank you very much for that for for all who share and retweet and share the podcast I just said share but it it helps I mean a lot of my guests this is how I get them is from someone sharing a tweet someone sharing an episode so uh, I like it and if you like the podcast Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give me a rating or review on iTunes. Share it with your friends because everybody's a little bit ignorant sometimes. Big, big thank you to John, Eric, Greg, Jean, Kathy, and Terry, exclusive members of the League of Extraordinary Idiots on Patreon because we're all idiots sometimes. Uh, I couldn't do it without you. You keep these episodes flowing. And um, yeah, I thrive because of your generosity and friendship as well so if you want to get involved in the patreon maybe join the league of extraordinary idiots get in on our uh bi-weekly hangs as we discovered is the word <laughs> come on over uh i'm really killing it right now patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed all one word head on over there for a dollar a month you could be supporting me and getting some bonus content that's all but there's also i mean you can get more I'm not going to snap you, but you can also just give it all. And it's really cool. I genuinely have become, like, I've become friends with the people who've joined through that. It's cool. It's like a fun little core group. I love it. Anyways, you can also just continue to listen for free. And if you want to get involved more for free, there's a Facebook group. Ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots. Head over there. Make sure that in the initial questions you say you're there because you listen to the podcast. Because otherwise you won't get admitted in it's to keep out people who i don't i don't know why they're there they think it's a group for quotes it's very strange but yeah it's a place it's a i like to think of this podcast as a safe space for unsafe questions but it extends over into that group so if you want to have a discussion about well here's how i've always felt about things but it seems like some people are different it's a place for those discussions it's you know it's not a place to terrorize people who disagree with you but i think the key to you know harmony and getting along is those discussions and it's not even to get everybody to be on your side or what you know agree with you but it's like to at least understand someone's perspective I think is so so important and on that note please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity they're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world if you have additional questions for Adrian or any guests Uh, You want a topic covered? Let me know. Best way to do it in that Facebook group or if you're on Patreon. Those are the places I see it. Um, But, uh, you know, tweet it at me. Message me on my Facebook page. I am constantly trying to do my best to deliver what you guys want and, and content I feel like we can learn from. You know, I like to interview people that I'm like, I have no fucking clue what that's like. Let's get into it. I want to, I want to see, see where you come from. I want to understand your situation. I want to share that with everyone because I, I truly think that 
learning is the key to, I don't know, a better society. I think the more we understand each other, the more we get together. And the more we get together, the happier we'll be. Does anybody else have arrested development? All right, enough about me. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you're, you enjoy my um, my binge week, my, my B-I-P-O-C mental health awareness binge week. Share it with others. Um, I think these are stories that need to be heard, information that needs to be heard. We need to raise awareness and uh, keep taking cake care of yourself. Keep taking cake of yourself. Honestly, if cake is how you take care of yourself, God love it. On, oh, by the way, on my other podcast, Two Filthy Nerds, if you are a Harry Potter fan, uh, that's what we're currently in. And by the way, we are very firmly, you know, throwing the finger at JK, but we're finishing the series because fuck you. I'm not, I'm not giving up something that brings me joy because she sucks. Uh, and we'll eventually go into another nerd series. That's how it goes. We deep dive into nerd series, but head over there because we are doing a birthday binge week over there. It's a crazy time because... The character Harry Potter Potter turns 40 on July 31st, the day before my birthday. And we'll be baking a cake for him on the 30th on a live stream. So you can get all that info. We're making Hagrid's. uh, It's a better recipe than Hagrid's, but it's going to have the same frosting. It's like, I'm not going to fucking cook a pile of shit. We all know Hagrid can't cook. I've derailed. Anyway. Keep giving suggestions and keep asking questions. The more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? Thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots.